Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of Centurion Faith, the podcast that helps you seek the faith that makes Jesus marvel. This is your host, Jeff Johnson, and I'm really pleased to give you this message that I have today um, called, How Do You Identify? How Do You Identify? This is a message that I've been sharing at uh, Florida state prisons, uh, several of which I have the uh, privilege of preaching at, and I think it's a pertinent message for today because we hear so many um conflicting voices out there and so many voices of the enemy, so many voices of the Antichrist uh, through the spirit of wokeism um, just popping up really from un- underneath every rock and every crag and every dark shadow where, where they've been lurking really for for decades. And one of the things that, uh, one of the confusion that the enemy is really putting in, into society and in particular with the intent of confusing the minds of today's youth is identification and how do you identify? And we certainly all of a sudden out of nowhere hear all of these terms like LGBTQ and the letters keep going on and on because there's not only now, you know, more than two genders, you know, we had to get a third bathroom, but now we might have to get multiple bathrooms because it seems that there are multiple genders out there and the confusion just keeps magnifying and increasing. So it's not going to just stop at a handful. It's it's actually dozens of different um, identifiers that the enemy is using to just confuse people and to to get them away from God's original intent for them, for their lives. And, and you hear people using the term, how do you identify? So I think it's important for us as, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ to ask ourselves that question, how do you identify? And I'm gonna start with a very popular passage of scripture. Um, I call this passage, this is in John 3, 3 through 3, 6. And I call this passage Nick at Night um, because this is where Nicodemus, the um, one of the rulers of, of Israel um, came to him, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews and he, was the expert, you know, the quote-unquote Bible expert of the day, the expert on the Word of God. And he he recognized the power of the Holy Spirit on Jesus to do the miracles that he did and the power that was just in his words and then in his actions. And so he snuck around at night to go see Jesus and to find out, how can I tap into this power? and What is it with this guy? So Jesus explains to him where his power comes from. In uh, three three. Jesus said, Nicodemus said to him, uh, actually, in three two, he says, "Rabbi, I know that you're a teacher that has come from God. For no man can do these miracles except God be with him." And he was certainly accurate in seeing the Holy Spirit's hand on Jesus and his not only his words but his actions, which really all tied together. And Jesus answered him and told him, "Yep." Yeah. He says, "Verily, verily," which means truly, truly. I say to you, in sec- except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, and he said again, Verily, verily. So there it is again. Truly, truly, I say unto you, and it's, except a man be born of water 
and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this is the verse I really want to key on, 3.6. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And the word spirit is capitalized. The first spirit is capitalized. The second spirit is lowercase spirit. So let me read that again. That which is born of the flesh is, is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he goes on to say, marvel not that I say you must be born again. Jesus is talking about the spiritual rebirth that he was going to provide for us through his his finished work, I would call it, his death on the cross where his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, his burial, and then his resurrection from the dead where he was raised by the Holy Spirit, seated at the right hand of the Father, and sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus clearly points out in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, could not be sent until he finished his work. The disciples did not understand this. He told them time and time again that he was going to be crucified. And he said, it, it's actually better for you that I go away. He said in John 16, verses 7 through 9, it's better for you that I go away. For if I go not away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. And he talked so many places in the Bible about sending the Holy Spirit. And he, he, he talked about in John uh, chapter 7, one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible, certainly in, in the book of John, uh, in, in 737, Jesus stood up at the last day of the great feast and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And there's that word water again pertaining to the Holy Spirit. And it even says parenthetically right after that, but this he spoke of the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So until Jesus completed his work, and was ascended by the Holy Spirit to heaven, he could not send us the Holy Spirit. Today, as born-again believers, I would dare say the vast majority of professing Christians have received forgiveness of sins. They've confessed Jesus as their Savior and asked him to forgive sins. But the second half of what Jesus accomplished for us, the second half of, of salvation, if you will, is sanctification by the Holy Spirit. And I would dare say most believers aren't even aware of this today, that the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and it says in Ephesians 1 verse 13, the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as a down payment guaranteeing what is to come. So Jesus seals our spirit, our little spirit, again, the little s, with his Holy Spirit. And really, essentially one-third of us, we're spirit, soul, and body, three parts. One-third of us is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost sealed with the Spirit of God. And it's important for us, especially in these, these days, this time, the season that we're living in, in these last days, I would call it for sure, um, that we identify with, with the Spirit of God, that we identify with our born-again spirit and not our flesh. I'm gonna just fire some scriptures out at you. Romans 8.8 8 says that those that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
I think the goal of everyone listening to this podcast certainly would be to be a God pleaser. And it says, again, in Romans 8, 8, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. But then it goes on to say the good news in the next verse, 8, 9, it says, um, those that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit because the spirit of Christ lives in you. And it goes on to say, if any man has has not the spirit of, of God, he does not belong to God. And it, this is just vital for us to identify as, as a spirit being having a fleshly experience. Even Jesus said himself to the woman at the well in John 4.2.3 and 4.2.4, he told the woman at the well who, like Nicodemus, saw the Holy Spirit working in Jesus in his prophetic word that he was giving her and he was reading her mail and telling her about all the husbands that she had and that she's living with this sixth guy that's not even her husband. Well, she perceived that he had the Holy Spirit upon him and that he was from God and that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so she she asked him about, you know, where do you, essentially she asked, where do you go to church? Where do you worship? I heard it's over here on this mountain. That's where my family used to worship. And uh, I hear you Jews worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says these words, and this is powerful. He says, a time is coming, he says to the woman. And, and keep in mind, this is the first woman evangelist, the first woman that Jesus um, evangelized when uh, when he started his ministry. And he said to the woman, the hour has come and is now when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For this is, this is for, for the Father seeks such to worship him. And then he goes on to say it again. God is a spirit with a capital S and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the second spirit is a little spirit. You're born again spirit. But at this time, again, <clears throat> this lady could not be born again. Jesus was foreshadowing what was to come and what is here for us today. And that is to live in the spirit. <clears throat> I believe that every born again believer, everyone who's professed their faith in Christ has received the Holy Spirit in a seed form. But we are to grow in grace and to to mature in our sanctification and and more or less learn to live and to walk in tune with the Holy Spirit who sealed our spirit. And there's a variety of ways of doing that, but the greatest spiritual food that, that we have today, the way we feed our spirit is with the word of God and prayer. Those are two of the biggest things where we commune with God, we understand his word, and therefore we understand how to pray because God's word is his will and his will is his word. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, you better get to know what his word is because they go hand in hand and the two can't be separated. So those two, those tools in the toolbox, the word of God talking about the Bible and prayer are the two greatest tools that we have in our spiritual toolbox. And it it those two produce the food that feeds our spirit and allows us to walk in the spirit. Keep in mind too that the, the Holy Spirit is a gift given at salvation. The Holy Spirit, it says dozens of times, if not hundreds of times in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is given as a gift. In other words, just like your salvation, you can't earn it and you, you can't lose it once you receive it. It's, a, it's the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says it's by grace that you're saved through faith. 
Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by any works, so no one can boast. The Holy Spirit is also referred to in Luke eleven thirteen as a gift. Jesus says, if you love to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give you the Holy Spirit as a gift? Um, I'm going to close with this. Look at the disciples. Look at how they were before Jesus went to the cross. They were fearful and timid. They forsook him and fled when he went to the cross. But the promise of the Holy Spirit came to them on the day of Pentecost. And you can read about this in, in the first and second chapter of Acts. And with great boldness, they preached the word of God. And Peter, in Acts 2.38, he stood up and told the people on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got born again, he said to the masses, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, he's saying that there's two parts to our salvation. There's, there's the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sins. And I would, I would, I would dare say every believer today knows that they're forgiven and that Jesus certainly provided forgiveness of sins through his shed blood. But the second part, most Christians aren't walking in today because they have not, they have not learned that they have the Holy Spirit of God and they don't identify. How do you identify? Do you identify as a spirit being, having a fleshly experience, or are you just an old flesh bag who's trying to learn to walk in the spirit? You got to put the spirit first let the Spirit lead in your life and you'll be pleasing to God. Let the Holy Spirit lead your little spirit. Learn what this means. Learn to identify with God. Again, Jesus said in John 4, God is a spirit. My Father is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth or spirit to spirit, he goes on to say. So I'm gonna close with that. I want you to think about this. Find some other verses Look in, in, in the Bible and you'll see that there's this battle going on between our spirit and our flesh. And the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 7, 18, in our flesh, in my flesh, he says, lies no good thing. So you could say that about every believer. In our flesh lies no good thing, but in our spirit, in our born again spirit lies every good thing because that's where we find Christ. So... I'm not saying that I've arrived in this, but this is something that I'm unpacking with inmates. I'm seeing the power of God move in the Florida state prison system like never before. And I'm seeing the least of these, the wretched, the, the murderer, the, the, the rapist, the adulterer getting converted and walking in the Holy Spirit, the worst of the worst becoming heaven's best by receiving this gift of salvation, this gift of the Holy Spirit and so I wanted to share this message with you today and let you know that God longs for you to identify with him spirit to spirit. You're born again. So know this, know how much God loves you. He paid with his life um, to give you not only the forgiveness of sins through the shedding of his blood, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. So know that you have it today and get in the word and learn to understand and know what it means to walk and walk with me as we walk in the spirit together. God bless you and have a great, great day.